A week ago, we were letting our parishioners know that life went on as usual. No liturgical practices were being adjusted because of the coronavirus. A memo from the archdiocese said to use common sense, to stay home if you felt sick, but that nothing would change for the time being. Then, this last Tuesday, the new memo came out. No handshaking at the sign of peace and no distribution of communion under both species. And this is nothing compared to what's happening in other places where masses have been cancelled. And some people are upset. Those who think that no one is going to get sick from drinking the precious blood or having multiple children being baptized in the same font. I'm sort of on that same camp. People were also upset that the Pope did not appear at the window for the Angelus Address. The concern is not that the Pope is afraid that he will get sick or that people may get sick from receiving communion. The concern is that people get sick from being in close proximity with other people. So, please, don't get upset. Don't panic. That's worse. Let's take this as a Lenten gift to abstain from certain things that are good for us, but that we take for granted and that so many people around the world don't have. More importantly, let's pray for those who are sick and especially for those who are being deeply affected by the financial fallout of this crisis. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And Billy is really excited um, because Always. we might be working from home. <laughs> it's not about this. You know, if we, we work from home, we can't do this program, Billy. We no, have to we come once a week. No, we can call in. We can call no, in, Skype. In. Somebody has you know, to call Facebook, in. Facebook, you see? Do it live on Instagram. Exactly. Anywhere. Uh, um, anyway, um, I don't know. I think people are, are concerned. Maybe people can write to us and tell us what they're thinking about masses being canceled. Yeah. Yeah, radio at saltandlighttv.org or also Facebook, Twitter, at Deacon Pedro. At B. Joe Chan. At B. Joe Chan, at Salt and Light TV. Um, anyway. Tell, tell us how do you feel. I mean, you know, I think I'm pleased with that a lot of people is under stress. Or, you know, they are. Yeah, I think a lot of people yeah. are stressed. I, I'm kind of still on the camp of like maybe people are overreacting, but it's good to be alert and calm. Um, but anyway, no matter what happens, this program will continue the Salt and Light Hour yes. once a week. I don't know what anybody else is doing. Um, and this week, actually, we're going to go to Rome and speak with Matteo. we go to Rome? Yeah, Matteo's going to be with us because Matteo is in quarantine. <laughs> well, I don't know. He's not in quarantine. We're going to find I, I, out. I shouldn't Because shouldn't uh, laugh. things in Italy are bad. I mean, yeah, there was yeah. like, I don't know, something like 630 deaths in Italy already. Um, 8,000 people sick. By the time that this show... Uh, no, no, yeah, on by air, the time this show goes to more, air, yeah. there, there will be more. So Matteo's going to give us an update about what's happening, not just in Rome, in the whole country, in Italy, but also the Vatican, because uh, what's happening liturgically with the Holy Father, uh, it's being affected by the coronavirus. Um, but we're also going to be joined by Sister Marie Paul Curley. She That's was very nice. excited. Sister Marie Paul actually changed her scheduled date because she wanted to do her segment this week because she wants to talk about two biopics, okay. these biography movies that she's very excited to talk about. So uh, you want to stay tuned. Uh, to listen to that and then Billy has a question yes about I have a question about the church okay. <laughs> <laughs> all the questions all his questions about the church, about church. So but this, a, a this question one about it's about the law the rules about rules yeah about the rules okay yeah. a question about rules with Billy Chan so and and, and he's going to be asking me about rules so you probably know <laughs> what I'm going to say ah don't follow the no I'm not going to say that <laughs> church rules are important um, have you ever heard of and, and I'm not putting you on the spot because you always put me Ca on the Canadian spot. he's a Canadian author uh -huh. Michael Michael O'Brien 
Have you ever oh, come Michael. heard that name? You have heard the name. You're not sure. It sounds familiar. Okay, so yes. Michael O'Brien is a Catholic novelist, uh, Canadian Catholic novelist. He's also a painter, um, but he's very well known for uh, a, a, a series of novels that he wrote under the title of The Children of the Last Days. These are these apocalyptic novels. But about, um, about what? About uh, the children? No, no, no. They're, they're, no, it's, it, they follow a character named Father Elijah. Oh, uh, anyway, they're actually okay, okay. very good novels. You okay. should, you should look up Michael O'Brien if you want to listen to it, but it's fiction. They're okay. novels. It's fiction. Um, but he's Catholic and, and they're obviously they're, they're very Catholic. But Michael is also an artist. He's a painter. Mm. Um, and uh, his latest book is actually called The Art of Michael O'Brien. And so it's a collection of, of his, his paintings. paintings. His paintings. Um, now, we are good friends with Michael's son, oh, Father okay. John O'Brien. That's why you're oh, thinking of, that you know his name. When you talk so, about O'Brien, yeah. So Father yeah, John yeah. O'Brien is a good friend of mine, good friend of us here at Salt and Light Media. So we're very excited to have his dad, who's a famous author and painter, Michael O'Brien, is going to be on the show. So we're going to be talking. Uh, I'm excited. It's a featured chat with Michael O'Brien. Maybe some of you have read his books, uh, and you're going to get to hear a little bit about behind the scenes, about uh -huh. why Michael writes, what he writes about, how he comes with ideas, and we're going to learn about his art as well. So that's in our second half hour. And then we're going to... It's not a new artist today, Billy. Sorry. What? No, it's okay. But we're reconnecting with an artist that, that we met a while back. What? Who is that? Um, Luke Spihar. So we first met Luke in 2014. Um, and then he was he was back on the show uh, uh -huh. two years ago, maybe, because okay. he had a new album called The Pilgrim. Now, he doesn't have a new album, but he's doing this Lenten tour oh. that I think it's, it's, it's a good excuse to have Luke back on the program. We really like his music. Uh, Luke Spihar from... Uh, I think he's in Minnesota. But anyway, he's touring right now, so we're not quite sure where he's going to be. So why don't we start with a, a music song. A song. Yes. <laughs> And if I know where it is, here it is. We're going to start with Luke Spihar uh, with a song called Be Still from his album of the same name, Be Still. Everywhere I go, I see people running. Running from their own minds From something they won't see And everywhere I go I see unanswered questions Pry apart their convictions And cause them to fall down Surprises me to know That he answers all questions Just by softly saying Be still And know I am God Oh be still Everywhere I go, I wonder where 
if I'm showing everything that must be seen, and it surprises me to know that he answers all my questions just by strongly saying to me, "Be still." And no, I am God. Oh, be still. And no, I am God. That was Luke Spihar with "Be Still" from his album of the same name, and we're going to be speaking with Luke Spihar at the end of the program, and in about five minutes, "Windows to the Soul" with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first. Well, Matteo joins us now on the phone from his home in Rome where he is holed up. Are you in quarantine, Matteo? Well, first of all, hello, Pedro. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not because today I was out for filming something. But yes. uh, more or less, I'm in a kind of quarantine. So so you went out and, and, and there's not a lot of people on the streets. This is really affecting uh, the city. Yes, there are not so many people around. Uh, what we can see easily is the fact that there are not so many tourists. There are right. very few tourists walking around. But, you know, in Rome and around the Vatican, if there are no tourists, it's something that you can immediately see Notice. and you can realize that there is something strange going on. So tell us tell us what's what's the latest update. Um, things, Everything's closed? State of emergency? Well, well, we can start uh, to talk about this, uh, talking about what the Pope is doing. Yes, please. And because everything is related, everything is connected. And, for example, the Angelus prayer led by the Holy Father last Sunday took place uh, in the library of the Apostolic Palace right. and not in the square yes. from the window. At the same time, the general audience on Wednesday was held in the same manner. These decisions were uh, necessary in order to avoid the risk of the spread of the virus mm -hmm. due to the gathering of people during, in particular, the, uh, during the security controls yes. or access to the square. Mm -hmm. uh, in the meantime, Pope Francis is celebrating privately Mass at Casa Santa Marta every day, but without the participation of the faithful as guests. Right. All of Italy is under restrictions over coronavirus outbreak since Tuesday morning. And for this reason, also the Vatican announced stricter measures to control the spread of the coronavirus. In fact, St. Peter Basilica and the square will remain closed to the tourists really? and guided tours until April 3rd. So can I just ask a question? Did, did, are all public masses in the country canceled? Yes. So you can't go to Mass on Sunday? No, you cannot go to the Mass every day because uh, it's not possible. So never? There's Until when? Never. Well, basically, it should be until April 3rd, and it's exactly the same date right. uh, about St. Peter Basilica and the Square. Right. And that's the date that they will be closed. This is the this is the problem, and uh, you know we are during Lent, uh, and uh, yes. you know, probably people would like to be together to pray together to join you know the priest of the of the parish, but that's not possible. And for this reason, uh, Italian bishops are encouraging people to stay at home, to pray at home, 
even if it's Lent, because it's very important to avoid gathering, and it's fundamental to follow what the government is saying to go through this emergency, hoping to have a better situation soon. So we don't know, for example, what's going to happen no, in the in the next weeks for uh, Palm Sunday or for uh, Easter. Right. Uh, we have to wait and we have to understand how the situation will be in the next weeks. Yeah, of course. So the information that is coming from the church is coming from the bishops, the Conference of Bishops of Italy. Has the Holy Father himself said anything or anything pastorally at, during the general audience or during the Angelus Address to, to encourage people to stay at home or anything like that? Yes, this is the only thing, uh, encouraging people to stay at home. This is right now the most important things. That's the message that all the people are trying to uh, to share, and they want the people can understand the importance of being at home and to avoid, you know, to stay with other people. Uh, the situation is complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you know the other countries think about this right now. Uh, but for example, according to the Tuesday report. 631 were the people dead in Italy but we expect exactly but we expect for today to be over 700 and regarding the people affected by coronavirus we have more than 8500 and so the number is increasing uh, the problem is clear and uh, we didn't stop yet you know right. the spread of the virus so hopefully in the next week Maybe at the end of the next week we will have something, something better because uh, you know we are taking different decisions. The government is doing, uh, you know, important rules for uh, stopping this problem, but we have to wait and we have to take care of uh, of each other. Yes, as of well. course, of course, of course. Um, very uh, critical situation there. Thank you for the update, Matteo. Um, we're going to leave it there, but hopefully we can connect again in the next couple of weeks and, and see how things are. Things are developing in every every country here in Canada too, so I'm sure that uh, everybody's going to be uh, uh, praying about the situation. So thank you for the update today, Matteo. Thank you. It was a big pleasure, and uh, talk to you soon. Matteo Cioffi, he's our Rome correspondent. You can watch his Italian series, Vaticano 360, and follow him at Matteo Cioffi. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul Curley with Windows to the Soul, and then Billy Chan with a question about church rules. So don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Nancy Bosworth, singer-songwriter, and you are listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. Remember to tune in to watch our three-part documentary series, As I Have Done, about the work of sisters in East Africa, streaming for free during the season of Lent at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, so much for once a month, but you were here two weeks ago, so it's good to have you back. Oh, it's great to be back. And I've just, I've been seeing, maybe I'm catching up on last year's films, but I'm seeing a lot of good films oh, lately. So good. I have two I want to talk about today. Okay, great. Yeah, we're um, looking forward to them. <laughs> there's, thanks. There are two, they're two very different biopics, uh-huh. but both, what they have in common is both titular characters were, were enslaved. So it's a very appropriate right. um, 
It's really helpful looking at, when, especially when we think about the issue of human trafficking. The first one is called I Am Patrick, okay. and it's an excellent feature-length docudrama about the life of one of my favorite saints, the Apostle to Ireland. Yeah. It is a great way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day um, to see this. It's written and directed by Jared Anderson, and it's produced by CBN Films. It's based on St. Patrick's own writings, his confessions. Okay. And so it's based, it's not focused on the big legends or the miracles. It's focused on what we know from St. Patrick's own writings. Mm -hmm. The dramatic parts are very well acted, um, including the segments with John Rhys Davis, who is one of my favorite actors ever since he starred in Lord of the Rings okay. um, as Gimli. Um, yeah. He portrays the older St. Patrick writing his confessions and my only wish is that he had a bigger role because it, you know, takes him, takes us through all of St. Patrick's life. The interviews are well done with a good mix of experts, and it flows quite well into the dramatic scenes. And the dramatic scenes are quite well acted. So it's, you know, it's St. Patrick's life was very dramatic. So there's it's there's built-in drama here. Hmm. I've researched um, the life of St. Patrick for a chapter in one of my books on the saints and. From from my perspective, the film is quite accurate, and it's, it's it offers some great insight. Uh, there's one point that I did disagree with at the very end, which was disappointing. But it's a small point. Um, as a bishop, Patrick was was a question of Patrick's integrity came up, and he was questioned by other bishops. Now, in his writings in the Confessions, he makes it clear that he was vindicated. In the film, though, it kind of gives a very individualistic vibe, as mm. if Patrick just rebelled against the other bishops and went off and did his own thing. And, you know, that may be due to the fact that this was done by the Christian Broadcasting Network, not by a Catholic uh. group, although they had Catholic advisors. So I just wanted to raise that. It's releasing theatrically thea theatrically in the U.S. for just two days, March 17th and 18th. Okay. So if you are able to get to the theater, it is well worth watching, and keep an eye out for when it streams um, and when it opens in Canada. Um, it's a great way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to watch that. And you had a second the, film. Um, yeah. The second film is Harriet, and oh, it's yeah. the life of Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. It's, apart from A Hidden Life, which we talked about last time, it's one of the most inspiring biopics that I have seen in a long time. Uh -huh. And I really give kudos to the director and producer who co-wrote the film. Uh, it's, it's really just covering 10 years from her life, her desperate escape to freedom from slavery just before the Civil War, and then her dangerous journeys back and forth as a conductor in the Underground Railroad. She, this covers about you know just 10 years of her life. What I really love about the film, in addition to the amazing actor, actor, actress who plays yes. uh, Harriet, Cynthia Erivo, uh, what I loved about it is they do not shy away from Harriet's religious faith. She has an injury as a child um, to her head, and as a result has fits. But in these fits, um, she, has, she experiences dreams or sometimes visions where she feels God speaking to her. And they, you know, she was known as Moses because she led this over 70 slaves to freedom uh, during that time mm -hmm. of really oppressive slavery. And so I think that it's really refreshing to see filmmakers recognizing that role of faith and the possibility of the miraculous in Harriet's life. So a powerful film that engages on many levels, including the spiritual, it's appropriate for families with teens, even mature preteens. There is a bit of violence. 
um, in the film, but it's really a great film for Lent because Lent is meant to be its own journey to freedom, hmm. allowing yes. the Lord to lead us and set us free from the sins that enslave us. Yes. So two powerful films about former slaves who uh, who run with that and, and, and allow God's grace to work in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you've inspired me because I've been w- hoping to watch Harriet. I haven't watched it yet, but I know it's streaming, and uh, so I'm going to look for it on demand. Um, and I am Patrick. I'm going to have to uh, keep my eyes open for might end up on Netflix or somewhere. Thank you. Two good suggestions. Oh, so welcome, and you and everyone who's listening are always in my prayers. Yes, thank you. Have a happy uh, end of your Lenten journey towards freedom from slavery. Okay, bye-bye. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Coming up is Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Nate Reinhart with Sonar Worship. We're so happy to be with you on the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Salt and Light Hour and take the show wherever you go. Now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has a difficult. He's not a difficult very, question. He's not very difficult. He's uh, no, he's difficult. You know, yeah. he has been bothered me for like a whole week. I have a friend asking me this question. Okay. He asked me, you know. Um, uh, um, if we uh, forget or if we didn't fast, um, is it a sin? So you if know, we di- okay. if we didn't fast, is it a sin? In in you know, on Ash Wednesday or in Good no. Friday, is it a sin? So you know, it, it actually brings me to the second level is uh, because of he said, uh, <laughs> does it mean if we disobey um, um, uh, the okay. church, you know, then it is a sin? Because if you don't go to mass, yeah. it's a sin, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, so so this is this is the different levels to this question. Yes. What I would say is that it depends. It depends on, on what it is that you're disobeying. So there are certain things, uh, and you use the word, when we were talking about the intro, you use the word rules. Yes. So I'm going to say, in quotes, rules. Some rules have to do with moral law. Like, thou shall not commit adultery. Yeah, then it's Ten Commandments, okay. yes. Go to Mass on Sunday would be would be faith and morals. Yes. Um, and some, some rules are discipline, um, like celibacy. It's a discipline. Now, oh, okay, but okay. if a priest breaks his vow of celibacy, I don't know if that, well... It'll be, it'd be sin because he's not married, but but he's breaking a promise. Yes, that's a sin, right? Um, mm-hmm. The uh, promise a to liturg- God, a liturgical, yeah, a promise to God. Uh-huh. So a liturgical rule, mm-hmm. like you have to uh, use a chalice that is made out of a certain material, yeah, metal, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, that is a liturgical rule. If you're in, in 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 a small town in a remote place in Central America and they're using a chalice that's made out of clay, th- that's not a sin, <laughs> you know. Okay, like okay. it's just uh, there are reasons for their for these liturgical rules, but it's not. So it really depends. You, uh, I probably have to look at each one. And, and how about the mandatory feast day that we need to go to mass? For okay, example, so in Canada, like Holy Days of an, Obligation, uh, Annunciation, and Mother yeah. of God, uh, okay. they, we need to go to Mass. But if we don't, is it a sin? Okay, I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Okay, 
um, and and I will probably get people writing and 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 commenting on it, and and that's and that's okay. Um, um, and if it's my bishop <laughs> calling to, to <laughs> tell me, then 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 I I'd be happy to to listen to him. Yeah. And and get it straight. Um, our obligation is to go to mass on Sunday. Yes. And holy days of obligation. Mm -hmm. So the confusion is why then are there the holy days in obligation in the states are different than the holy days of obligation in Canada, which yeah. they are. So then, how is that? If it's if it's a rule that it should be a objective, it should apply to the whole world. Mm -hmm. So that's where I say, you know what? Um, where I grew up in Panama. Uh, uh, it, let's say the, the Ima Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, is a holy day of obligation. But it's on a Thursday or a Tuesday yeah. and you have to go to work. Yeah. So you can't go to Mass. You don't have to. You oh. don't have to. In the same way that if you work on Sunday and you work Saturday night, you cannot go to Mass on Sunday, you're, you're dispensed from that. Okay, you should try to go. Maybe you can do something else on that day. Maybe you can pray a novena. Maybe you can pray a rosary. Or do something. Okay, you can. Tr I, I think that the church gives us these quote unquote rules, especially that one, uh -huh. to help us. So we try to go to mass to get closer to God. We yes. try to mm -hmm. go, but but it, but if you're only going because it's a rule, then I think that defeats the purpose. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. If I love my my wife, it's because of yeah, exactly. ten commandments that lost the meaning. Of no, it, you're right? right. You're right. You don't love <laughs> your wife because the church says you have to love your wife. Huh? It, it's a rule. <laughs> like if you don't love your wife, is it sin that you didn't love her? Is it sin that you didn't weren't respectful to her? Yeah, probably. But you do it not because it's a rule. You do it because because you want to because you love her. So, um, but in general, I'd say that you really have to. I mean, the church has different um, levels of of truth there's dogma and doctrine yeah. and and doctrine you know and some things that the church cannot change but then there's um th what the church what i would say is 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 discipline and these are not doctrine they can change they might be different from diocese to diocese or or country to country things like fasting rules feasts of obligation the celibacy of the priesthood that's discipline um, any directives on religious life or how do you build a church you know buildings uh, when you have first communion you know or or confirmation is it grade seven is it grade eight is it when you're 14 is it when you're seven years old those things are are not so you, you if it's a sins or not it's not completely tied into the rules of uh, of the church right yeah, I would say it, that it's it, not completely a, as Catholic we always need to think about the intention the, of why you're not doing it right absolutely. let's say if absolutely. you don't if you if you don't fast because you 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 hate God then this is That's this definitely a sin exactly right? so and if and if you don't fast because you hate God the problem is not that you didn't fast the problem is yes, that you, you hate, hate God. God. Yeah, so right. let's worry about <laughs> let's worry about that first. Yes. And then we can worry about fasting. Does that help? It, completely. I will uh, send this episode to my friend now. Please do that. <laughs> and I and honestly, I, I am curious if people have comments. Um, this is how we grow in our faith. Uh -huh. And I know that people would disagree on, with me on this, but I'm pretty sure that right I'm, to us. You know, Psalm Psalm 53. I don't I don't I don't desire sacrifice. I desire a contrite heart. Mm. So what is God really? What it pleases God is our heart, not the things that we do artificially because they're rules. Thank you. You're welcome. Amazing. Billy, Billy Chan, the web webmaster here uh, behind saltandlighttv.org. You can follow him at Chan.
coming up in our second half hour, a featured chat with Michael O'Brien, and we reconnect with singer-songwriter Luke Spihar, so stay tuned. These children, they mainly depend on us. In East Africa, religious sisters are close to and care for the most vulnerable. They fight poverty, build peace, educate youth, and transform communities with courageous leadership. Everybody has the right to live in a good way. Watch the new three-part docuseries, As I Have Done, now streaming for free at saltandlighttv.org slash as I have done throughout the season of Lent. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Most of you know author Michael O'Brien for his novels. He's written some 13 fictional novels and four works of nonfiction. He's probably best known for his series of apocalyptic novels collectively entitled Children of the Last Days, featuring Father Elijah as protagonist. But Michael O'Brien is also an artist painting in a neo-Byzantine style with a contemporary interpretation. In fact, Michael O'Brien's latest book is a collection of his art, aptly titled The Art of Michael O'Brien, published by Ignatius. And so I'm very happy to say that we spoke with Michael O'Brien earlier this week. Michael, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's good to be with you. It's great to have you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that most of our listeners know you best from your writing because they probably have re- read some of your books. So I want to start a little bit about that. Um, w- why did you start writing novels? Well, I was uh, first and foremost uh, a painter of religious art, okay. art um, for a number of years. But uh, one day, oh, in the uh, late 70s, um, a story kept erupting in my imagination mm-hmm. as I was painting, and it, it just wouldn't go away. Hmm. Uh, and it was becoming a bit of a distraction. Um, I kept pushing it away as I painted. And then in the end, I decided I would, um, I'll write it out, I said to myself. I'll write it out, and then it's out of my mind. Right. With, and I can get back to my painting with total focus. Right. Uh, that, that, book I first wrote was titled uh, A Cry of Stone. Right. Now, 20 years later, it was yes. published. <laughs> yes. But for most of my life, I've been a, a painter of, of okay. sacred art. Because I was going to ask you that. I wanted to know, you know, who, who, the chicken or the egg. Was there a paint, painting first? So you've answered that question. Um, but before I, because I, 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 I want to ask you more about the painting, did, uh, how soon after that did you come up with the character of Father Elijah? Is that later? Really, uh, Father Elijah. I wrote, I believe, in 1995, and it was published in 1996 by Ignatius Press. So, did you feel? Did you feel that after you finally wrote down a cry of stone, and it got, you know, published, or even before it got published, you still had stories that kept popping up, and you had to sort of get them on paper? Or I, I think on occasion that happened. Mm-hmm. I had basically said to myself, there, that's done. Yeah, right. I, the manuscript may be found in a trunk in the attic someday by my grandchildren. Yeah. I'm a painter. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the eruption of the story of Father Elijah was a total surprise and came really as a, a nearly a total story in my imagination in, I think, late 94 or 95, um, 
Well, I was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, Mm -hmm. very concerned about the condition of the Church in our country, Mm -hmm. um, the condition of the world, and how how I was to bring my family, my wife and our six children, through these times Mm -hmm. with with faith and uh, hope. Uh, And as I was praying before the cross, before before our Lord's presence in the Blessed Sacrament. A great stillness fell upon me, a great silence, and this whole story just poured into my imagination Hmm. as if given. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote it down as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I wrote it over a period of eight months. And every day I went to the Lord in the Eucharist and asked for the gift of uh, an angel of inspiration to help in the book's creation, and also the Holy Spirit, that it that it be as God wanted it to be, given, you know, all my flaws as a writer. Right. But that the best we could do with it, according to His holy will. And so that was that was a huge surprise, and right. an even greater surprise was a year or so later when it was published. Right. It's uh it's interesting to me to hear you identify yourself or define yourself as a as a painter first. Um, cuz I mean we know you as an author. Did you uh, did you find that your art changed or your approach to painting changed because of the writing? That's a good question. I I think they're like two languages. Uh-huh. So I think being a painter so saturated in the visual art mm-hmm. uh, has influenced my writing. Uh, it's helped me to be more conscious, more sensitive of uh, writing a story in such a way that the reader hopefully will, will have a visual sense, mm-hmm. a richer visual sense. Mm-hmm. I think the writing has also helped my painting in, in the sense that to write a to write a good novel, you really have to have a certain clarity and and a sense of uh, the form of the work, the shape of the work. Mm-hmm. Its, its essential meaning has to be communicated clearly. Uh, so, it's helped me to be more focused in some of my, my paintings to be more sensitive right. to design and form. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you? Because a lot of your paintings, I mean, they, they're described as Byzantine iconography style, and and I can see that, especially with with, with the paintings that I'm familiar with. But did, how did you end up, uh, I guess, painting in that style or being influenced by that style? That's a very good question. Again, uh, well, when I first began to paint sacred art, I felt very called and was very confirmed in the path of becoming a writer of icons, a, a painter of icons. Right, yeah. And for seven years, most of my work was classical Byzantine iconography. Uh-huh. But as my uh, church commissions and other commissions uh, came in, uh, I was asked to paint more and more Western style. Mm. Now, I, uh, Western post-Renaissance technique yeah. and, um, and style. So, I didn't want to lose what the icon had taught me. That is, that a, a work of art that's to glorify God must be created in a spirit of profound reverence. It has to be mm-hmm. uh, the fruit of 
prayer and, uh, and fasting if possible. Mm-hmm. So that is how icons are made, mm-hmm. not just another artwork. Mm-hmm. You know. So in the Western stream in my painting, I have uh, always continued to try to live uh, the spirituality of the icon, and I think that translates to some degree in in the work itself. Uh, there, there is a strength. There are sometimes Byzantine forms. Yeah. But the bulk of my work is is not. You can't call it icons. They are not icons. They are certainly they're yeah shaped by iconography. Yeah. But I'm I'm fascinated to hear that you, the process for you. You're not maybe writing an icon, but you're still. It's still a work of prayer. Um, would you say that then your hope is that that painting, even though it's not quote unquote an icon? would still have the same effect in the viewer in terms of leading them to God and leading them through par- prayer or helping in their prayer? It's my hope that to some degree it mm-hmm. happens. Um, I, the theology of the icon, the, the pure icon, the true icon, is such that um, we see it in the Eastern Rite Catholic churches mm-hmm. and in the Orthodox churches. Uh, we see it as, the icon as closer to a kind of Sacramental. It's, it's right. a meeting point with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a portal or a window. Mm-hmm. Now, I would hope some of that also happens, that the grace is given by God when a person is standing in front of one of my non, non-iconographic paintings. Mm-hmm. Here, here's what I think happens, if you've got a minute to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I... I think all authentic art, all art that is true and beautiful and virtuous, uh, whether it's explicitly religious or implicitly religious, if it is true and beautiful and good, it has a kind of authority, it has a kind of uh, voice that reaches into the heart and soul of those who look at it. And it's a very mysterious process. Hmm. Now, in our frantically, frantically busy age that we live in, this endlessly noisy culture, mm-hmm. it's very hard for people to find true silence, a kind of peaceful interior silence. Right. But a work of art can call people to that, a moment of attention, attention, and a kind of silence before a mystery. Mm-hmm. And if the grace is given, and if the grace is received, uh, that person can move from silence to a kind of wonder over the mystery of the of the subject matter mm-hmm. being painted, and then from wonder they may move to a kind of reverence. Mm-hmm. And in the highest forms of art, that is speaking of the things of God, uh, that reverence can lead to worship, to prayer, to worship. Amen. That's beautiful. That, that's yeah. my hope. Wow. That, yes, and I and I and I think it's more than a hope, Michael, because I do think that those graces, through your work, the graces are received, and people are moved not just to silence and wonder and reverence, but definitely to worship. And I would say that your novels do the same thing, although, as you said, it's a completely different uh, language, but but they're icons in a sense too, because that's your your intent. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's all the time we have, but thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today and sharing 
a little bit, but so much <laughs> of what you do with us so far, and, and we hope that there's more to come. Thank you very much, Deacon. God bless you. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Michael O'Brien earlier in the week. You can find Michael O'Brien's books, including The Art of Michael O'Brien at Ignatius Press. And I have to say that Michael O'Brien's paintings of the Stations of the Cross are featured in a Stations of the Cross devotional airing during Lent on Salt and Light TV and available at saltandlighttv.org slash Lent. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Luke Spihar, with The Champion from his album Be Still. Well, I can climb mountains, I can swim oceans, I can run anywhere I please. I can be the champion. I will go wherever you call. For my strength, it
That was Luke Spihar with The Champion from his album Be Still. We first met Luke Spihar in 2014. Luke's, Luke's music is fairly unique. He has produced four albums, the first one Be Still, while he was still in high school. Luke toured with Grammy Award winner Ben Harper, who produced his third album, All His Gift, in 2015. And with the debut of his last album, The Pilgrim, he paid us another visit here on the Salt and Light Hour. Now, Luke is in the middle of a tour, a Lenten tour, and so we thought we'd catch up with him to see what he's up to. And uh, Luke now joins us from somewhere in, in, in Kentucky, Luke, in, in some bourbon factory in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> So um, good to be back with you, Deacon Pedro. I know it's great. So you, um, the the Pilgrim, uh, did I get that right? The Pilgrim was two years ago. Um, yep, that's right. Yep. So, and you spent all that. I mean, the time since then. I know you you've had a, a, a new daughter was born, and so there's there's that happening. But you've been doing shows and parish missions. Do you feel that maybe that's kind of the season in your life? You're 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 called more to do live performances rather than recording. Yeah, I think that um, just as I've as I've been able to kind of put some thoughts together, almost like um, almost like a, a speaker would, you know, because the, the the stories behind the songs just yeah. there's so much richness there. So mm-hmm. just being able to kind of tell how the Lord inspired the music really creates for a pretty compelling message, and and yeah. especially with the pilgrimage. Uh, from the Camino and then just kind of life as wow, a pilgrimage, yes. it, it just seems to line up perfectly with some of the right the themes of kind of a Lenten pilgrimage to Easter, Advent uh-huh. pilgrimage to Christmas. So yeah, that's that's definitely one of the seasons the Lord has me in right now. Yeah. So when you go to a parish, um, what what sort of uh, what does it look like? What do you offer? Yeah. So I, I uh, it's evolved over the years. You know, I used to just do kind of a parish concert, mm-hmm. which had a lot of music, mostly music and a little bit of talking. And mm-hmm. as it as it evolved, uh, you know, I'll kind of share a bit more of a, a driving message mm-hmm. um, and let the music kind of drive the message home in, in a way. So mm-hmm. um, oftentimes, what this will look like is you know, kind of a, an hour-long concert kind of presentation that, that sometimes shifts into kind of an, an hour of adoration and holy, and, uh, and worship. Mm-hmm. And, and then, but it can go either way. You know, sometimes it can be just a, a long holy hour like I'll do tonight here right. in Kentucky. Right. And, um, and then kind of meditation around uh, the, the Lord in the Eucharist. And, right. Or, or, you know, and do the you, other way might just be a big concert where it's mostly music. So right, would you kind of the whole spectrum? Would you frame it around like maybe a parish mission? Like I know you do those. Yeah, so certainly. like like a Lenten certainly, mission. Yeah. During, is that what you're doing a lot now? These Lenten missions. Yeah. 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 Lenten and Advent missions has been kind of the theme of my work for yeah maybe the last two years. So yeah, that's and it's been so rich. You know, it's just. It's been wonderful to be able to come and spend a little more time with the parish in that way. You know, you kind of get to know people because yeah. they're coming out maybe two or three times, depending on how long the mission is. Right. So that yeah, you're right. And, so uh, would you do a mission like over the weekend, like maybe even play at some of the masses and then do do the mission at on the at the Sunday night kind of thing, or, or yeah. over a period of yeah. a couple of days? Yeah, typically. Yeah. Yeah, it would be something like a Friday. Yeah. Uh, or actually, you know, Friday through Sunday, or even Sunday through Tuesday. Sometimes yeah. Is often, you know, the case and. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oftentimes I'll come in, maybe even do something like a Wednesday for the for the uh, youth program, mm-hmm. and then like a Friday night or a Thursday night for you know like a, more of a talk, and then a Friday night might be a holy hour. Right. So 
Yeah, a little bit of everything. The Lord's really kind of opened up a lot of those uh-huh. uh, different ways of ministering over the years. Yeah, yeah that's, that's wonderful. Um, Lent, I, I mean, I know as a, you know, my kids are all grown up, but as a, as a, as a, as a parent with, with a young family, how, how is that Lenten season for you guys? It's not, Advent seems to be a little more exciting yeah. for kids, but how do you find that you're making Lent work out with, with the three girls and, and your wife? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting remembering back uh, as a kid and like Lent would come along and it just seemed like a big wet blanket. You're like, oh man, mm-hmm. Lent, you know. And this year on Ash Wednesday, um, my oldest, who is, she's four, mm-hmm. Was so she was so excited that Lent was here. She's like, you know, like Ash Wednesday, and she's like, let's make pancakes. Lent has started. Oh wow! <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, like that's kind of a cool way to mm-hmm. to enter into the season with with kids that young. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's right. This is a, this is a, a season for us to remember what the Lord's given, but also remember the destination that we're all heading toward, which is Easter Sunday and mm-hmm. the resurrection. So mm-hmm. the beginning of a a season that might be a little bit more somber, but at the same point, I, I don't think we need to be afraid of it. So we've, as a family, to try to really enter into the season, we're just really focusing on um, reading Scripture every night and reflecting on the uh, salvation history, hmm. you know, in, in kind of short little uh, right. blurbs that we've, and, and doing some artwork as we're listening to the oh, Bible yeah. as it's being read and hanging that artwork on a on a tree, <laughs> right, and it's just been really cool. That's a great it's been idea. Really, uh, yeah, a beautiful meditation. Oh, what a great idea! Yeah, and the kids can be drawing, or uh, well, they listen to the story. That's a b- great idea. Now, um, th- th- they're with you right now. You travel with the family. Is that how's that coming? How's that working? Yeah, I mean, it's been one of my wife's and I just kind of. It's been kind of a resolve uh, that with this music ministry that it just doesn't. It doesn't take away from the family too much, mm-hmm. and um, one way we get around that is that we just travel together, right? And uh, which takes a lot of courage and a, and a tremendous amount of planning uh, yeah. from all of us, and then just kind of like jumping right into it. So my wife is she's really the hero when it comes to all of that. We yeah. we've been on the road now for a little over a week, mm-hmm. um, and we're touring out of a small minivan right now just because it's the got yeah we're looking for something bigger <laughs> okay and uh but yeah you just like you know one of one of my wife's elizabeth's best ideas is just to create a little kind of fun box with all sorts of little crafts and stuff that the kids get to right um pick through every morning and evening if we're on the road that long mm-hmm. and they get all excited about it can we can we pick from the, from right. the fun box and and then they have a little craft that, that occupies their time for for uh-huh. a little while try to keep the screen time to a minimum and just of course. have conversation or look out the window so yeah it's been really moments have been have been stressful and other moments are about as rich as it gets so yeah i can imagine yeah do you do you involve them at all in the parish mission or they're too small on your wife maybe that's not where you guys are at right now <laughs> yeah it's you know what we try to do is kind of at least let the parish meet them one night yeah and they're kind of running all directions in yeah. fact the other night i was playing for mass and my two-year-old saw that i was playing so she said dad and started running up to the <laughs> you know, choir section while mass is starting and then my four-year-old was going the opposite direction to get some water and uh 
at that time, my wife was trying to breastfeed our, our newborn. So it was just this. And I'm just up there singing my song. Exactly. Still, you know, and I just thought, how fitting this is. You know, That's just, great. That's great. So well, they, I love it. You know, I think, I think that the parish can just see uh, that the Lord makes a way, mm-hmm. even though it might be more mm-hmm. challenging or it takes a lot more creative God or creativity. God, God really provides. And I think that's yes. the witness we really bring is just yeah, the Lord's true. providing and we're, we're taking this one day at a time. It's true. It's true. Now you mentioned that you're in Kentucky and I'm just going to say some dates because people might be listening and thinking, you know, is Luke coming where we are? I know at the end of the month, March 28th, you're going to be in Medford, Wisconsin, uh, April 3rd in Pittsburgh, Kansas, April 11th, Lee's Summit, Kansas, uh, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Is that on the same day? Maybe I got the wrong dates. Um, then May 1st in Mesa, Arizona, and May 25th, you're back at home in St. Paul. Um, that, that's that's home, right? Um, and you're that's doing correct, your yep. m- your Never Forget Memorial Day concert. That uh, yeah. So um, all that information is on Luke's website. I'm going to leave that information with you guys later, but it's also on our site, so you can find it easily. Luke, I'm going to leave it there because um, you're you got family and uh, and Kentucky bourbon to uh, to purchase. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's been great reconnecting. And uh, hey, maybe we can find a, a way to have you bring drive the minivan north and come to Canada. Um, I'm I'm for it. Do we some do parish it. missions over here. Hmm. Let's do it. That would be great. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's always an honor to reconnect. So thank yes. You so much. Excellent. For you're yes. Doing. God bless. Okay. You can learn more about Luke Spihar, purchase his music, and book him for your parish mission at his website, lukespihar.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And to listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Luke Spihar with To St. Michael from his album, No Other Way. When she just told St. Michael, come protect me for I see the dark one is closing in. No, I try with all my might, I'm losing this fight. I am not strong enough in battle alone. Call out your angel, St. Michael, to surround me for I see the dark one with his army. But here the angels are with their hands on their hilts. Nothing will stand in their way. Call out your angel, St. Michael, to surround me for I feel the dark one's hands are on me. Though I try with all my might, I'm losing this fight. I am not strong enough in battle we're listening to Luke Spihar with To St. Michael from his album No Other Way. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org. You can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. And also follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Salt and Light TV. While you're there, check out instructions for our weekly Lent challenge. And remember to watch the new Salt and Light Media docuseries as I have done about the work of sisters in East Africa. It's streaming for free during the whole season of Lent at our website, saltandlighttv.org. You can watch it and tell me what you think at Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. That the devil has been slain. 
never to surround me for I see the dark corners closing in Oh, I try with all my might, I'm losing this fight I am not strong enough in battle No, I am not strong enough in battle Oh, I am not strong enough in battle